me in uh, Matthew 27, the text that Daniel read for us a bit ago. Matthew 27, next to the last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, we're going to study in a little bit more detail those nine verses or so that we read. Which do you want? There's, uh, by the way, we got a, a good crowd today. We welcome all of you. I see uh, quite a few visitors today, and we especially want to thank you for coming to Hoover today. And we hope it's a blessing to you and that you'll want to come back and be with us Again, lots of stuff going on, lots of good stuff, lots of opportunities to serve and to be involved and use your talents in ways that honor the one who created you. So um, we would love for you to come back and be a part of our church family. We are in the middle of a, uh, well, no, not the middle, we're kind of getting toward the end of a reading of the Bible this year as a church and uh, getting to, we're the last, what, six, seven weeks of the year, I guess. And uh, so we're, we're, uh, we're heading into the book of Acts, and we're, uh, we're, we've been reading, trying to read through the Bible together this year. If you're visiting with us, we just started this in January 1 this year, try to read through the Bible in a chronological kind of way. And we are at that moment now when we get to the end of Jesus' life here when he's crucified. Let me say this for just a second. I think it's important for you guys to know, if you don't know this already, that everything in the Bible, in a sense, is pointing to this moment. I mean, you go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, God created everything and it was good. But in chapter 3, things went south. You know, things got bad. Because we, Adam and Eve, they wanted to be their own gods and do their own thing and decide what was right for them and what was wrong. And they wanted to be their own arbiters of truth, that we're going to decide what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We want some God telling us what we can and cannot do. That's what Genesis 3, that's, you heard of the fall, Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, that's what it was. We're going to do our own thing. That was a big mistake, but it's a mistake you and I have made as well. I mean, we've been doing the same thing. Everybody in this room has, has eaten the fruit. We've, we've done the same thing. We've decided, hey, Lord, you know, I know you got a plan for me, uh, but I'd rather do it my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot for a bit, you know, see how it goes and see how that'll work. And most of the time, well, inevitably, always, it, it doesn't work out so well. Give it, give it time and it won't work out so well. So we come to a point as Christians where we recognize that doing it our own way doesn't work. So the story of the Bible is what God is doing to un, undo the damage we've done and to bring us back to Him and so there are these hints along the way that God is going to come to the world and He is going to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so it's at this moment, this last week in fact, if you're a part of our reading this year, and if you're not, that's fine. This, this, this sermon I hope will make sense to you regardless. But if you're a part of the reading this week, we got to that, like that, that moment. <laughs> that, Everything has been pointing to this. And the Old Testament would talk about these sacrifices that were made or one who would be born of a virgin and, and he would be betrayed by his friend and he would be beaten and he would be, you know, his, his hands would be pierced and he would be like a lamb, led like, or led like a lamb to the slaughter. Remember those passages? Like those are in the Old Testament. Well, now we're there. We're there. And I want us in our minds to go back to that crowd on this Friday morning around 6 a.m. Jesus, the previous night, had gathered with the apostles in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. They had eaten a meal together, and Jesus had gone from there with the apostles out to the Garden of Gethsemane, 
And while there, one of his own betrayed him. They came, the Romans came and arrested him, and they led him away. The soldiers came and led him away, and through the night, rested sometime, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock Thursday night, the rest of that night, he was in captivity, and some of the religious folks, and they mistreated him, did all this stuff to him, but they couldn't really try him until the next morning when Pilate opened for business, the Roman prefect or a governor or a procurator. He was a Roman representative in that area. When he opened up his court at daylight the next morning, about 6 o'clock, they brought Jesus to him, and there's this trial. That's where we are. In our, in our reading in Matthew 27. And there's this, this interesting story, as I, as I mentioned earlier, an interesting story about something that happened at this particular court when there's this fellow introduced by the name of Barabbas. We don't know a lot about this guy, but we do know a little bit uh, from what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us. They describe him with this word. In fact, if you're in Matthew 27 with me, verse 15, at the feast, that is the Passover, is what it's talking about, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, <coughs> it's an interesting little footnote here, okay? And I got it on the screen here. If you're filling in the blanks in the back of the bulletin, you'll know I've got a little blank there in brackets. And the reason I got it there is because, you know, there's sometimes... In the Bible, you've got, you've got a little bit of a question about what was in the original. Now, it's not a big thing. It's, it's, it's little words here and there because we've got thousands and thousands of copies, you know. And it's just this interesting little footnote here I want to mention, and I want to make a little bit of a point about this so you know it, that here in Matthew, probably... All right, there's a problem. Make sure you hear this word probably there. Probably Barabbas, his name was Jesus Barabbas. Okay? Lots of copies have that name in there. And I mention it here because I think it's kind of interesting if that is true. And, and most people believe that it is true. That in Matthew 27, 16, when it says they had been a notorious prisoner... It probably would read like this. They had, in, in, they had then a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. That was his name, Jesus Barabbas. Now, and so if that's true, verse 17 is going to read like this. When they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Christ? I find that kind of fascinating because you know what the word Barabbas mean? means? You know, have you, um, you've heard of like a, a bar mitzvah, son of the commandment, or a bat mitzvah, a daughter of the commandment. The word, the word bar means son. The word bat means daughter. And um, so you, you can, when you see that word bar, bar in the, uh, in, the, in the Aramaic, like a word like this, Barabbas, it means son of something. Now, stay with me for a second. Do you remember in another place in the New Testament when, um, when, when, when Paul says that we can call God our Abba? Remember that? That's in the book of Romans. He says, you know, we can cry out to God as Abba. That was the word for father, very intimate, intimate kind of word. But it means father. So his name was Barabbas, son of a father. 
So, so here's, a, here's an interesting kind of thing. Pilate brings them two out there and he says to the crowd, he says, which one, I'm going to release to you one of these. Which one do you want? Do you want Jesus, son of the father? Or do you want Jesus, the one who's called the Christ? And we would know, of course, now Pilate wouldn't believe this, but we would know the, pre, the, the presentation here is between Jesus, son of, the, son of a father, or Jesus, the Son of God. Which do you want? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, the Son of God? I think that's, that's this, what, what, what Pilate is saying to the crowd there, a play on words a little bit. But regardless, and if that's not right, it, it doesn't matter ultimately, but he makes this presentation to them, and he says, you can have one of them, which, whichever one you want. I'm going to come back to that and make some application for us. But just a little bit more about Barabbas. You look at what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say about him. They use this word that I mentioned earlier. The word I used is insurrectionist. It, it carries with it a, a hint of violence. Uh, he was like a, a leader of some sort of a violent group. The same word is used. Do you remember when Jesus was crucified between two? We, we usually call them thieves. He's crucified between two thieves, right? Same word that's used to describe Barabbas is used to describe those two guys who were crucified on either side of Jesus. Leading most people to think probably there was some sort of insurrection in Jerusalem in, in the preceding days, and Barabbas was the leader of that group, and these two guys who got crucified beside Jesus were probably in Barabbas's group. They were a part of this, this, uh, this, this, these insurrections. They wanted to, you know, throw off the yokes of Rome, and we want to be off from under their thumb and all that. So Barabbas was the leader of this group. These two men who were crucified with Jesus, they were a part of that group. Barabbas was the leader. You know, you got this group of violent people. But here's the thing I want you to keep in mind. There were a lot of people who lived in this part of the world at this time who wanted to rebel against Rome. They didn't like Rome. They didn't want Rome as their, you know, their overseer. They wanted to get rid of that kind of thing. And so there's something going on here, I think, with that. Anyway, all right, so Barabbas, insurrectionist, Jesus Barabbas, Jesus the Christ. You got this presentation, a custom that Pilate would release to the crowd, one person that they wanted. Now, you got the crowd making a, a fateful choice here, and I'll reflect on this just a little bit and think about what it means for us. But Pilate knew that the people had delivered Jesus up because of envy, or their leaders had they didn't care so much about his breaking any law. That, wasn't, they, that, that was a pretense. They said, yeah, he's, he's claimed to be Caesar, he claimed to be king or whatever. They didn't care about that. They knew that wasn't true. Or they knew it wasn't true in the way they meant it. Um, but what they, what they did know was that this, this Jesus, he's popular and he's taking away our power and he's taking away our position and people are starting to like him more than they like us. That was the thing. Pilate recognized that and he said, you've done this for envy and he... he makes this presentation to them so that they can pick. And he wants to put tension here between their leaders who were motivated by envy and the crowd who had at least previously been on Jesus' side. So the crowd is going to make the choice. I think the leaders probably get the crowd riled up. And it says there in verse 22, What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they said, Let him be crucified. He said, why, what evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. The crowd had gotten riled up by the leaders in verse 20, and they asked Pilate to release Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas, instead of Jesus the Christ. What 
Pilate's doing here is maneuvering politically. He knows that he's on a little bit of shaky ground with Rome, and he needs to keep everything quiet and calm and needs to keep the locals under control, as it were. And he's just trying to maintain the peace, and he thinks he can maybe release one of them, and everything will be okay, and this little, this little problem will go, will go away. Now, I want to go back to that question. Do that with me for a minute. Let's, let's think for the rest of our time, in fact, about, about that question. Twice he asked them. Twice he asked them. Which one do you want? You want Jesus Barabbas? Do you want Jesus the Christ? Which one do you want? You want the insurrectionist, the one who's leading this violent uprising against Rome, or do you want Jesus? You want Jesus, the meek and mild, the come to me, all you labor, and the heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You want, you want that one, or do you want this, this violent insurrectionist? Which one, which one do you want? He asked the crowd, of course, and you know the choice they made. They were, I don't know, they, the leaders put pressure on them, and they, and they gave in. Some of these people may very well have been in the crowd, uh, um, you know, six days earlier, five days earlier, when they welcomed Jesus to the city with palm branches and crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Remember that story? That's back on the Sunday, but this is Friday. That was on Sunday, five days earlier. When they had cried, cried out to Jesus, welcomed him. He's a conquering hero, so to speak. That was on Sunday. This is on Friday. The tone has changed considerably, and now they're saying, Let's just, let, let, us have the, let us have the violent guy. Let us have the murderer. Let's have the insurrectionist. We'll let him go. He deserves to go, but crucify this Jesus. Which one, which one do you want? I want to I ask us today, how do, you, how do you read this story? How do you read about Jesus I think it's a good exercise for you and me as Christians, or if you're not a Christian today, if you may be on the fringe and you're thinking about Christianity, I think it's helpful for us to read a story like this and for us to go back in this crowd and put ourselves there and to pretend like we're there on this Thursday night, early Friday morning, and we're, we're there in the crowd. We see Jesus. We know some about what he's done and who he is. I think it's good to go back there and kind of think about what, what our response would be, because my temptation, and maybe yours is as well, is to point some, you know, kind of like the finger of accusation at these guys and, and say, man alive, how in the world could you have done that? Don't you, don't you, how could you have done that after all you had seen? I mean, you saw some of the stuff he did. You heard what he taught. You cried out Hosanna five days earlier, and here you are being manipulated by the leaders, and here you're saying, we want, we want to crucify you. How could you do that, you know? And it's easy for us 2,000 years later to look back at them and think, man, you, you are so hard-headed and so spiritually dense. And how... But I think it's probably good for you and me and as, a, as a mental and emotional exercise, a spiritual exercise to go back and put ourselves in that crowd and ask ourselves the same question that Pilate asked them. Because in a sense, I believe that's the question all of us are being asked. Because the choice before them, hear this, the choice before them was, do you want this guy, Barabbas? Barabbas, in many ways, probably met a little bit more of the image of a king than what Jesus did. In fact, in many ways. Because Barabbas, if what we know about him was he was leading this insurrection. He was a violent person. He is opposed to Rome. He wants Rome done. 
He wants to do what he can do to lead this uprising against them. So in many ways, Barabbas fit what the people wanted. And over here you got Jesus, the Christ. Who started out the most famous sermon, his most influential sermon ever with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the same Jesus who said... Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and I'll, you'll find rest for your souls. This is the same Jesus who presented himself as one who washed feet. He was one who became a servant. He was one who was not attractive. He wasn't good looking. He didn't carry about him an aura of military leadership. He didn't look like a king in the traditional sense of that. He didn't talk like the kind of person they wanted. He didn't look like the king that they wanted. He didn't talk about the things they wanted him to talk about. He didn't, he didn't say anything about overthrowing Rome. He didn't say anything about establishing this, this kind of kingdom that they had envisioned. He didn't say anything about that sort of thing. He didn't look like a king. He didn't talk like a king. He didn't talk, like, talk about things that a king talks about. And yet you got Barabbas over here, and Barabbas looks pretty appealing in the heat of the moment because Barabbas is doing the thing that kings ought to do when the king knows that Rome ought not be here. And Barabbas looks pretty appealing at this moment, you know. Jesus Barabbas looks all right. Jesus Barabbas has, has some, something about him. He's leading this little uprising. Maybe we can do something with Jesus Barabbas. But Jesus, meek and mild, let's get rid of him. Let's get rid of him. After all, I mean, we got on, we got on, on, on board for a little bit, but, you know, we must have been wrong because... If he was who we thought he was, he wouldn't be up here on this stage, you know. He wouldn't have bruising on his face right now. He wouldn't be bleeding right now. He wouldn't have that crown of thorns on his head. You know, that's, we must have been wrong. We must have had it all wrong. We need to go back once again. And we need to go with people like Barabbas who show us the way forward. See, the question, the question they were asked is the same question we're asked. You know, which do you want? You want the one like us? You want the one who's motivated by what motivates us? You want the worldly one? You want the worldly Jesus? Or do you want the Jesus from God? Do you want the Jesus Barabbas over here who's, who's, who does pretty cool things in worldly kind of ways? You want this one? Or do you want the Jesus who is? The one who said, I am. The one who walked on water and he healed the sick and he raised the dead, but he didn't lead any armies. 
Or do you want the guy who's leading the, this band of rebels? Do you want, which do you want? And maybe the question for us today, 2,000 years later, is which, which do you want? Do you want the way of the world? Do you want to do it the world's way? Do you want to do it your way? Do you want to do it the way of Adam and Eve? You know, make your own gods, make your own right and wrong. Do it the way you choose to do it. That's the Barabbas way, really. That's the Barabbas way. Or do you want to do it God's way? That's a choice. The choice hasn't changed so much. Which do you want? I guess we ought to put ourselves back in that crowd with this group of folks and ask ourselves, are we going to say Hosanna to the highest or are we going to say, let's crucify him? I don't want to go too far with this notion, but I think Hebrews hints at this a little bit. There's a sense in which very real sense in which our choices were involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. So in a sense, I, got, I, I think i got to say this, in a sense, we've all chosen Barabbas. You know, we've chosen him because we chose to do it our way. We chose to do it the Barabbas way, the, the worldly way, our way. The humanity's way. We've chosen Barabbas' route, but the, but the thing is, God gives us another chance, you know. And so many people in this room have decided that the Barabbas way is not the way that they're going to go. And they've said, we want to be Jesus' followers. You know, we want him. We want Jesus who is called the Christ. Many of you have made that choice. Maybe some of you haven't yet made that choice. That's the choice that's before us, though. It's, it's always the choice. It's going our own way or going God's way. It's hard sometimes because there's this instinct that seems quite natural to follow our own desires and lusts and do what we want to do when we want to do it. You know, there's that kind of desire. But God leads us by His mercy and grace to this moment where we can recognize that that way ends in death. You know, it ends in ugly bitterness and hatred and strife and division it, it ends it goes a direction we don't want to go ultimately which do you choose which of the two do you want that's the, that's the choice before us if you're not a Christian today then we're just really standing here on behalf of the Lord himself and we hope that we're making his appeal in a way that's consistent with his will and his choice his his question his his plea to, to you and me today is, which, which are you going to pick? You know, which do you want? You're going to go Barabbas' way or are you going to go God's way? And if you're not a Christian today, we invite you, we invite you on his behalf to come to Jesus who is called the Christ. Come to him. His way is the way for which you are created. You come trusting in him, turning away from whatever your past involved, the way of Adam and Eve, the way of Barabbas, turn away from that. And come to Jesus who is called the Christ and fall down at his feet and say, I want to be yours. We'll baptize you in his name, in the name of the Father and the Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. And you begin following Jesus who is called the Christ. Beautiful, beautiful decision that perhaps there's someone here today who wants to make it, ready to make it. Maybe you need to come back to him because your life has been characterized by, to be honest, it's been characterized by more of a Barabbas kind of way, a worldly way than the way of Jesus. Why don't you come back today and ask for the prayers of God's people. Which do you want? That's the choice. That's the choice we've got. Let's stand. Let's sing this song for your encouragement today.